0: what keeps you going in the christian life what keeps you going because let's be honest there are times when we've come close to packing it in aren't there either by deliberate decision or by gentle drift a crisis of faith or doubt a moral compromise that spreads the sound of the world around us with it, with its siren call on the one hand drawing us in to worship its idols And it's scornful criticism on the other, telling us to abandon what we believe. How easy to give in, to think, what's the point? Why carry on? Why miss out? Have you faced those times? Well, then what keeps you going? If you haven't faced them, you will. And then what will keep you going? Perhaps you're facing them right now, today. What will keep you going until tomorrow? See, that's what 1 Corinthians 15 is about. Turn to it with me on page 1156. Because in a letter to a church confronted by false teaching, confused about Christian living and characterized by immorality, Paul writes to tell them to stand firm and to assure them that their faith is not in vain. Just have a look with me at how he begins And ends the chapter, verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. You see? Stand firm and your faith will not be in vain. Or look at the end, verse 58, over the page. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm, it's not in vain, and why not? Because of the resurrection. It is the resurrection that is the culmination of this letter and the crown of the Christian hope. It is the resurrection that answers our lingering doubts, And the lies of the devil. It is the resurrection that silences the scorn of our world. What keeps us going? The resurrection world. But does it? Is it your answer? Is it your strength to stand firm? Do we understand the resurrection as we should? How would you answer if someone asked you to explain the resurrection and what it's about? You might answer that it's a great fulfilment of Scripture, a promise kept, and that it proves that God is in control of history. Well, yes it is, and yes it does, but it's not enough to say that. Uh, You might answer that it's a great miracle of Jesus, the greatest miracle, and that it proves that he is our Lord and God. And yes it is, and yes it does. But it's not enough to say that. You might answer that it's a great endorsement of Jesus, an endorsement from God, and that it proves that Jesus' death on the cross worked. And yes, it is. And yes, it does. But it's not enough to say that. It's not enough to say all these things. Because there's more to say. There's more reason, even than in those things, for us to stand firm. And That's what this chapter is about because in it Paul explains that the resurrection is the controlling event that involves us all and governs our entire future. So that only when we see it clearly will we see our present in its right perspective so that we will stand firm. We must look ahead if we're to stand firm today. I, I have once walked on a tightrope holding onto one of those sort of bendy poles that uh, you see people have. I was terrified. And I was six inches off the ground. (laughs) Uh, But but even even at that height, uh, if you look down at your feet, you're heading for disaster, albeit that disaster is nothing worse than a stubbed toe or something. Um, But no, the way you keep going, the way you keep balanced, is to look ahead to your goal. uh, The end of the wire. And with your eyes fixed on that, you can stay the course. And see here too, Paul says that it is our future that must govern our present. The certainty of what lies ahead that must drown out everything that would make us turn away. Now recently I picked up my copy of Pilgrim's Progress, which has been on my shelf for years, but which I've never read. And uh, Well, I've been making pretty slow going of it, to be honest, but I was struck by something early on. Uh, The hero called Christian is convicted of his sin and is told how he can be saved and this prospect of resurrection hope. And so he starts to run towards that goal. And this is what John Bunyan writes. So I saw in my dream that the man began to run Now, he had not run far from his own door, but his wife and children, perceiving it, began to cry after him to return. But the man put his fingers in his ears and ran on, crying, life, life, eternal life. See, he will not be deterred, but sets his sights on eternal life ahead. Well, so too, let us block our ears together for a while, silencing the world's derision and our inner doubts and looking instead to this resurrection hope. I think we see some reasons to stand firm and some ways in which to stand firm. First reason then, stand firm because we will be raised. Verse 20, have a look there with me. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. See, if we think about the resurrection as just being something that happened to Jesus, Uh, albeit something that we can learn from, then we miss the point here. Because Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits of the harvest of which we are the main crop. In mid to late summer, I suppose, we could take a walk in a crop field and although most of it would still be uh, green and unripe, we might well find a corner where the temperature was slightly higher, the, the amount of sunshine hours slightly greater. And so the crop was ready, just in that little bit. It's the first fruits. And as soon as you see that part of the harvest, you know that the rest will soon follow. So too here, if we are in Christ, if we're trusting in him, then we can see his resurrection and know that ours will follow soon. 4 verse 23, as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Just as all who are in Adam, the whole human race, share in the curse of death for our rebellion against God, so all who are in Christ will have this new life to look forward to. It shows us that this life is not all there is. And the limitations and struggles of this life will end. So if being a Christian is difficult, if you're tempted to to give up, then stand firm because you will receive resurrection life. You'll be part of it. It's guaranteed and it won't be long now. Not in the scheme of things. Because Jesus is coming, verse 23, and he will raise up those who belong to him. So keep going. It's not in vain. If we belong to him, if we keep our trust in him, then our struggles are temporary. But our hope is eternal. Stand firm, because we will be raised. That's the first reason. The second is this, stand firm, because Jesus will rule. Look at verse 24. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed Is death. See, the resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, sets in motion the victory of God over every enemy until we see the final consummation of the kingdom when he returns. We live in a world where God often appears to be defeated and where evil appears to triumph. But the resurrection shows us that he is not defeated and he will be vindicated. And the forces that tear apart this world will be crushed as he reaches out to take all those in Christ back into relationship with himself. And this defeat of death that Jesus' resurrection begins and our resurrection completes it is like the final keystone in the arch of God's rule. A rule where we see father and son working together, verses 27 and 28. So that the ultimate purpose of history will be fulfilled. That God may be all in all. His sovereign rule universally acknowledged and applied. Stand firm because Jesus will rule. He will rule over the very things that tempt us to turn away from him. He has defeated them, so so don't give in to them. They are fatally wounded, so... Don't rely on them. The day is coming when he will put everything under his feet. So don't live as though there are things above him today. Above him in importance, in power, in priority. No, Jesus will rule. The resurrection proves it. Because now we see Jesus exalted to the highest place. Philippians 2 language. So that... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Your faith is not in vain because Jesus will rule over our enemies. And so if we live as his enemies, we would be destroyed. So stand firm, keep going because Jesus will rule. Stand firm because we will be raised. Stand firm because Jesus will rule. And then one more reason. Stand firm because the alternative is ridiculous. You see, the fact of resurrection, that that life here and now is not all there is, is actually something that we all know instinctively. And that's why in verse 29, I think Paul highlights the inconsistency of those who deny the resurrection. Because deny it as they might. They cannot live like it. Verse 29, now if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptised for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptised for them? I'm sure there are a few atheists who fully follow through on the logic of their position, but I've never met one. And I don't think there were any in Corinth. You see, here it seems as though some members of the church were getting baptised on behalf of others who were already dead. And we might have expected Paul at this point to uh, mention that this isn't something they should have been doing anyway. And Perhaps at another stage he did. But the point he makes here is that their practice exposes their inconsistency. It's ridiculous. Because whilst they say that resurrection doesn't happen, they behave as though it does. They can't follow it through. And I'm sure you've met with similar inconsistency today. I think of people I visited when a family member has died. And time again when talking to people who have no interest in God, who say they think he doesn't even exist, yet still they talk about their loved one being at peace, or watching over them, or being reunited with others. Or I think of people who claim that there is no God and that this life is all there is, that the physical world around us is all that we can know or have and yet who still want to hold on to moral absolutes of good and evil, of truth and beauty. Concepts which depend on the God they deny even to make sense. Now Stand firm. Stand firm because take a look at the alternative. It doesn't make sense. It can't be followed through. No one lives like it. Stand firm because we will be raised. Stand firm because Jesus will rule. Stand firm because the alternative is ridiculous. But what does it mean to stand firm? What what will it look like in practice? Well, two things, I think, here. First, we're to stand firm in our struggles. Verse 30 there. As for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day. I mean that, brothers, just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink but tomorrow we die. I don't know what you're like in a a traffic jam on the motorway, but I find it's easy to get jealous of people in the other lanes. They always seem to be going faster than you are. And so you sit, don't you, with mounting frustration until finally you flick on the indicator, wait for someone who's feeling, frankly, more charitable than you are, and you pull out only to find that your lane slows to a standstill and your former lane picks up speed. Well, for Paul, living for Christ can you make you feel that everyone else is getting ahead. For him it meant that he was in danger while they were safe. He denied himself while they indulged. He fought for the gospel while they were carefree. For us, it might mean those things. It it might mean that we see people advance beyond us in their careers, in their possessions, in their time, in the experiences they have, the places they see, until we think, what is the point? Why am I in this lane? Well, says Paul, stand firm because of the resurrection. Sure, if the dead aren't raised, then swap lanes. Let's eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But Christ is risen, so we will be raised and Jesus will rule, and so don't be diverted away from him. Resist the temptation of the world and endure the difficulties of serving God. And there are difficulties. Do you know what it's like to die every day? As a Christian, in serving the Lord and others, to feel like you're pouring out your life, And it never stops and it never changes until you're ready to give up. I've known people brought to the edge like that. The the small group leaders who want to stop because they feel that uh, they're used by their group. They're they're always giving and never get anything in return. Uh, The group coordinator who who resigns as soon as they receive any criticism. Uh, The missionaries who, who come back because they've had enough of the lifestyle the Christian who stops giving to church because they're fed up with living on a budget, the person who's just tired of facing criticism and contempt from unconverted colleagues or family and so who resolves to stay quiet. Wait, says Paul. Remember the resurrection and stand firm because our struggles are not in vain. Instead, verse 31, they lead to glory. They lead to glory in Christ Jesus our Lord as lives are brought under his rule and as we head towards his kingdom. Stand firm in your struggles. And then finally, stand firm against sin. Verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. See, ultimately, if we, if we lose our focus on the resurrection, then we will adopt the standards of those around us. And bad company corrupts. And we keep bad company. Our society today is full of those who will join in the shout of verse 32. Let's eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And who are restless in their pursuit of their own pleasure. In Corinth, that led to, that led people into one-upmanship, jealousy, sexual immorality, selfishness and self-indulgence. Now wouldn't all this be similar today? And that was just within the church. Now don't be misled. Watch who you watch. Don't let yourself be conformed to the standards and desires of those around you who live denying the resurrection. Because they have got wrong what is the controlling event of the whole of history and the whole of our lives. Now perhaps you are aware of an area that you need to address, where you do need to come back and stop sinning. To stop exposing yourself to the corruption of those around you, the corruption of our sinful nature within, and instead to come back to the Lord. We can do that in light of the resurrection. We can do that when we get our thinking straight, when we come to our senses. We need to stop being ignorant of God, because that's when we sin. It's wrong understanding that leads to wrong living. We'll sin when we forget who God is and what he's going to do. That final destruction of every enemy, authority and power. When we forget that, we will sin. When we forget that, we'll treat some things as though they're more important to us than Jesus. When we forget that, we'll drift away from him. and fail to stand firm. What keeps us going? How will we endure the struggles and temptations of the Christian life? By lifting our eyes to our resurrection. One for us on the cross, proved to us at Easter, and waiting for us when Jesus returns. Because when we see that clearly, when we see our glorious future, that we will be raised and that Jesus will rule, then we'll stand firm in struggles and against sin, always giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because we know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray together.